Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey everyone, this is Editing Bay Chris jumping out in front of the episode to uh, just say that there might be a little bit of an audio weirdness. Dylan was having some microphone issues that were resolved about halfway through, but if you notice in the first half of the episode him sounding a little bit weird, that is what happened there. I did what I could to clean it up and try and make it as pretty as possible, but, you know, Pobody's nerfect. We'll get back to it. And uh, yeah, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. I'm Dylan. That's me. And we're here again. One more time, one more week in your ears. Hey, Dylan, what are we talking about this week? Um, I don't know what the fuck we're talking about. By which I mean stories where I don't know what the fuck is actually canon and what is not. Oh, boy. And to, to kind of break that down, because uh, I just explained it to Chris like a few seconds ago. Street Fighter, to just grab a random example, Street Fighter has a very detailed, expansive story but you wouldn't know that from playing the games. You know, uh, when I was first getting into Street Fighter, we I would hear people who are Street Fighter fans talk about stuff that happens in the story and being like, how do you guys know this? This isn't in the games. In the games, you fight like six to eight people, then a boss, and then you get like a two-second ending cutscene. Like, what is, what is the basis for this? <laughs> um, and then the more time I spent playing Street Fighter and just... I don't know, I guess engaging with the Street Fighter fandom. You know, there's the um, Udon. That's that's the name of the company. The Udon Comics. There's the various anime films and uh, anime movies. And, you know, you have audio dramas in the case of uh, King of Fighters, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and, you know, just like all this side uh cross-media promotional material that may or may not be canon, but it all builds up to a canon that exists in the fandom. Like, the fans took everything that might even be disparate and said, no, you can't take this. This is ours now. Oh, you th- you, you made this? We made this. Yeah, uh, a good example is the, uh, the web series that was officially uh, greenlit by Capcom called Sorry if I'm a little nasally. I didn't drink dairy, but, you know, the weather's Sometimes it'd just be like that. Yeah. Uh, it was called Street Fighter Assassin's Fist. And it was it was a prequel to Street Fighter 2 because the people who were making this series wanted that. Like, they, they did that as a pitch to do a film, you know, quote-unquote, 
No, it would be a film. It would be a film adaptation of Street Fighter 2, or a web series adaptation of Street Fighter 2. And so it was a prequel that kind of borrowed from Street Fighter Alpha without, like, being the story of Street Fighter Alpha. And, you know, it was interesting, like, how they were able to grab all these disparate things and take it and make it into something that it was, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was, like, a pretty decent story. A little long in the tooth, but, you know, I had fun. I enjoyed it. And how do you feel... This is not the topic of today, but how do you feel about The Legend of Chun-Li? <laughs> I've never seen it, so I have zero care for it. That's fair. I've seen bits and pieces of it, and boy howdy, it's a weird flick. I've, I've seen previews of it, um, and like from that alone, I could kind of tell that like this is not going to be what I want out of a Street Fighter movie. But more importantly... More important than that, that, I don't even think that's what I wanted out of a kung fu movie or yeah. a, a cop movie. That's fair. Because, uh, like, I guess, like, tier list of things I'd want Chun-Li to star in. A cop film is actually near the bottom. I don't care that she's a cop. Yeah, that's fair. That's, like, not <laughs> the most interesting thing about her as a character. Right. To get back to the topic, does, would you consider, and this is something that I ask because this is a series I've been starting to get more into. Okay. Does the, like, King of Fighters franchise fall into that category as well? Oh, dude, the King of Fighters franchise is, I don't want to say notorious, but, like, it, they go all in with, like, the characterization and the characters, and um, even, uh, so King of Fighters, you might not know this, Chris, King of Fighters is actually a crossover series between uh, two other SNK right, fighting it was, games. It was, it was Fatal Fury and... The Art of Fighting That's was it. the other one, yeah. I was like, this, that is a piece of trivia I did know about games. Yeah, and so uh, Fatal Fury, the first one, had like little cutscenes in between rounds where like Geese Howard, the, the villain of the game, would be reacting to the progress that you're making through the tournament. Wait, yo, that's rad as hell. It's super cool. I love um, that. And uh, Art of Fighting actually was a full-blown... Not detective story, but basically the, the plot of Art of Fighting is, you know, your sister gets kidnapped. Who kidnapped your sister? Where is she being held? Uh, to find that answer, you have to go around Southtown. I think that's the name of the city in uh, both games. You have to go around Southtown, uh, beat up someone, and then they'll give you your next lead. <laughs> that's so cool. I've never played any Art of Fighting games. That, that sounds rad. Yeah, I haven't either. I just watched the playthrough on YouTube. Um, I've played more of Fatal Fury than Art of Fighting, to be honest. Um, but yeah, no, so uh, the SNK games were kind of always known for their story. Um, there's a lot of continuity between games. Uh, games are, at, like, King of Fighters actually has sagas. Like, they have, quote-unquote, seasons, um, where every three games is, like, an overarching story, and then... They do one game that just has the entire cast to, like of that season together, um, and that's what King of Fighters '98 and uh, 2002 are. They're like these kind of non-canon, like celebration of the last story arc that happened before starting okay. a new story arc. Interesting. Um, so King of Fighters has like a really involved storyline, and. But, like, which, when, when I beat the game, which team's ending is canon? The answer to that is, I don't know. Someone <laughs> does. Someone put it together. Uh, here's another example, actually. 
apparently Wario won the first Mario Party, and that's canon. Wait, hang on. <laughs> yeah. There was... They have. There is someone who has codified that there was an event in the Mario timeline called the Mario Party and Wario won? Not necessarily. Mario Party may, in fact... Well, I mean, like, I, I feel like every Mario series is its own timeline. Like, I don't think Mario Sunshine is canon 2000 Year Door or vice versa. Probably not. So Mario Party 2, I think, canonically... Wario won the first Mario Party. I'm, I'm going to see if I can verify this. But uh, it's possible. I am losing my flavor-blasted mind right now just at the <laughs> fact that that is a thing that you can say. Oh, uh, this! I am so glad we decided this topic because now I was able to tell you both of these things. <laughs> I, I actually have to double-check this later. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to yeah, find it. Tweet at us if we're idiots and wrong. No, I remember I was I was watching a Let's Play and they someone mentioned like yeah Wario won one of the Mario parties or something. See, you said that, and my first the way that my brain heard it at first was Wario won the first game of Mario Party that I played, but that's not what you mean, <laughs> and that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so okay, I'm watching the opening cutscene to Mario Party two. And it was like, there once was a land called Mario Land. There was someone who didn't care much for War Mario Land. It was that scoundrel, Wario. And he does a little dance. Uh, Incredible. Wario, th Wario thought that, that since he was the superstar, it should be called Wario Land. So that is the hard confirmed that the superstar of Mario Party 1 was in fact Wario. I love it. All right. I love it so much. Now that, now that I have told you this dumb thing... We can move back to the topic of our episode. Yeah, so this is, and, and I, I mentioned this to Dylan before we started recording, I I can think of a few like tangentially related examples that I'm familiar with, but I don't know that I'm super invested in any games that like really get to the heart of what you're talking about. So do you have like a other than the Street Fighter example you gave, do you have like a, a, a good pull to get us get us rolling with? Oh, absolutely. Um, of course I do. I wouldn't I would have suggested so. this if I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you show up and you're like, hey, I have this great topic. And I'm like, cool, let's start recording. And then I'm like, what do you think, Dylan? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, I've had a couple episodes like that in the past. So thank you for still working with me. Hey, anytime um, one of us has had an episode like that, the other one has always risen to the occasion. And that's why we work well together. That, you know what? That's fair. Love you, buddy. Love you too. Um, but anyway, let's cut the let's let's cut the bullshit and chat. <laughs> um, I'm going to uh, drop. I'm going to drop Devil May Cry as the first one uh, because, like, I guess you know, being an outsider to Street Fighter, like, even though I'm a huge, like, I'm a moderately, I like Street Fighter. Uh, but I like I Street Fighter too. I have played Street Fight. I have played like two iterations of Street Fighter a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've played more Street Fighter, but like I only can really say I love the Alpha series and Third Strike. But anyway, that's that's getting away from the topic at hand. Um, looking outside, I was like, how can anyone keep up with all this? And then I realized I'm a Devil May Cry fan. I literally do not have the rights. <laughs> uh, because the weird web that is the Devil May Cry canon... Um, I'll start with this, actually. This isn't Devil May Cry, but Chris, did you know that Hideki Kamiya, uh, creator of 
the first Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, Beautiful Joe, Wonderful 101, all of those games, uh, he considers Devil May Cry 1, as in the only entry in that series that he worked on, to be canon to Bayonetta's universe. I did not know that, but I am in love. <laughs> yeah, or maybe he doesn't like explicitly consider it, but he's like, yeah, it's fun to think about. I love um, that. At any rate, uh, he, you know, in the past, uh, before he became even more block happy than he was previously, uh, he would answer fan questions about it. So uh, Dante's mother is part of the same uh, shit. What's what's the term for like a group of witches? Uh, uh, coven. Coven. Thank you. Uh, Dante's mom is part of the same coven of witches that Bayonetta belongs to. Um, you know, just, like, little shit like that. But Devil May Cry 1 is the only game that is canon to Bayonetta. Except, in Devil May Cry 5, there's a character model of uh, Eva, who is Dante and Virgil's mother. And she has, you know, she has a red cloak that you see in the first game in a picture. But in the character model viewer, if you look closely at her dress, she's also wearing black and gold, which are the colors of the Umbran witches from Bayonetta. Okay. Um, and so, like, you know, that's a, that's a really tiny thing where it's, like, they're kind of giving each other the nod. Um, yeah. But, like, I guess larger things is, um, oh, God, where do I even start? Like, so, Devil May Cry 5, <laughs> uh... I love, I love talking to you about Devil May Cry because I think every time you come to that point where I can hear, like... I can hear the crunch of you trying to shift gears and not knowing which gear to shift into because there are too many potential avenues. You know, it's just my favorite like playing thing. Devil May Cry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in Devil May Cry 5, Devil May Cry 5 is kind of big, uh, at least in terms of story, not because the story itself is good, but because how it manages to somehow tie together nearly every disparate plot point from previous Devil May Cry games and like wrap them up with a neat little bow. It, it, it's definitely a game for the fans. And so the, the cool thing about Devil May Cry 5 is that I'm drawing a blank. Oh, <laughs> no, there, there was a, there was a light novel that Hideki Kamiya worked with an author to write. And everyone was kind of like, is that canon? I don't know. It seems to conflict with Devil May Cry 3 a little bit. And then Devil May Cry 5, comes like marches in and says all right here's the deal this 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 and that that's all canon everything else i don't fucking know i don't fucking care play your goddamn video game all right and uh you know it's not that aggressive but whatever <laughs> um and so basically you know it's the backstory for dante's guns um it gives us new details about like two completely different characters in the series that like came at different points in the timeline are actually related and like you know a lot of goofy stuff like that but it's, it's stuff that like people who have been following it's it's validation i think is the yeah, best way to, to phrase it where it's like kind of saying like everything that you've been following and reading we won't necessarily say uh it's all canon but we will give it the nod and tell you that this investment that you've put has paid off in some respect. We're, I gotcha. I, I really like that because I was going to ask, like, where with things like the the color scheme on Dante's mom's character model in Devil May Cry Five, like, what's the line between you know 
an Easter egg kind of tip of the hat and mm. potentially canonizing clues. I like that they kind of took the initiative to codify that. Yeah. I think that's cool. It's a uh, honestly one of my favorite details about Devil May Cry 5. Um in terms of story, mechanically that game sings. It's amazing. Yeah, I I really I need to buy DMC3 on the Switch you, so I can actually play. You should. It. Um uh, like that's that is the only one I would consider like and I just realized you don't really have a machine that can play Devil May Cry 5, but if you ever wanted to play Devil May Cry 5, I would say 3 is the only one you absolutely need to play. I'll say, um, de- depending on how flexible they allow the specs to be on the PC, I might be able to run it on my computer. Right, you know, uh, fingers I would crossed, need to, of course. I would need to see just how low they let me turn some of the settings, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that actually, the your thing about the light novel reminded me of kind of one of the, the areas that I had on this. I, I don't know that I've ever, ever talked about this on the show before. One of my... I'll say guilty pleasures. I don't feel guilty about it, but it, that's the best term for it. Uh, right. I'm a big fan of, like, schlocky sci-fi fantasy novels. Like, I love direct-to-paperback, not particularly good Why do you think I watch anime? What do you yeah, think, I mean, fair enough. My, like, what do you think our entire show is about? Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I, I'm a big fan of, like, that kind of whole subgenre of, like, you know... 87 book long franchises of mediocre fantasy. Yeah. Um and so I just I have all of these memories of like going to bookstores as a younger kid and going to the sci-fi fantasy aisle and like going to like the serialized D&D author bookshelf uh, and yes. it was always right next to a shelf of video game tie-in novels. Okay, you know the first thing I thought of as like before you even mentioned the video game tie-in novels. Yeah. Every kid in, like, fourth and fifth grade who had a Halo book or, like, one of the Halo novels. And that's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, all right, we're okay, here. Okay, so I have never read any of these. I kind of okay, yeah. want to. I have a curiosity, and recently uh, Polygon's Brian David Gilbert did a whole Unraveled where he read every Halo novel and, like, reviewed them, um, which is a wild thing to do. But... The fact of, like, there would be multiple rows of shelving taken up by novels in the Halo universe, in the Gears of War universe, in the StarCraft universe, in the Warcraft universe, in the... There were even a couple Metal Gear Solid novels. I only read the first one. It was dreadful. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's... There's this huge... I don't even know. I don't know how big the market for them is, but they keep producing them, so I can only assume that people are buying them. You know what? I'm happy that those kids were reading. Yeah, and I yeah. I think that's kind of the thing, is I think that that is such an interesting thing to do. And the idea of taking, especially a universe like Halo or can StarCraft. You can you imagine a Fortnite novel series? I, I couldn't before you said that, and now it's going to haunt me. Can you imagine the backstory for the default dance? Oh my god, incredible. <laughs> but, like, that's kind of what I'm... And again, I, I, I am not an authority on this. I have not read any of these. But I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the potential there. Because, again, in, in a world as, you know, deep lore-wise as something like Halo, or mm-hmm. even Gears of War, I'm pretty sure had some, like, pretty heavy backstory and lore involved in it. 
being able to like take that license and hand it to an author with an interesting idea and just let them like write something funky yeah in that world that like fleshes out some detail i think that's cool as hell but yeah that's that's kind of the the end of my thoughts on the novelization thing i think that i just think it's cool i think that's a cool idea for like a way to add more into your world for the people that care enough to find it yeah because not everyone's gonna give a shit but like you know you make a world with enough different like interesting aesthetic things as the world of halo and authors are going to be able to find cool stories to tell in there and yeah. then of course there's the the reverse of this which is games based on novels like uh like the witcher which are fun for me because I read the Witcher novels before I played any of the Witcher games. And so it's kind of cool in reverse seeing like how they take moments from the novels and either recreate them or like give nods to them yeah. in the gameplay. That is the end of my thoughts on this particular. Okay. I guess to, to talk about uh, my brief experience with this phenomena, um, I, I'm thinking about uh, the Metal Gear Solid novel that I read and how on the Metal Gear Solid wiki, if you go to like the page for Solid Snake, for example, they'll list some details about his backstory with like the caveat that like, we don't know if this is canon, but it, it's in a thing. So, you know, take it if you'd like. <laughs> it's from one of those books, which we're skeptical about. <laughs> Oh my god, I fucking forgot. <laughs> so this this is an aside, but Metal Gear Solid 2 has a uh, has a whole section of like on the main menu it's uh listed as either the previous story or the story so far or something whatever. What it actually is is like an in-universe review for a book published by one of the characters from the previous game on the events of the previous game, followed by a completely unrelated tabloid article about someone who's like a conspiracy theorist and almost dies at uh, Shadow Moses Island, where the first game took place, before he's saved by Solid Snake, but he never confirms it's Solid Snake because he wouldn't know if it was Solid Snake. Uh, That's really cool. Followed by the actual book published by one of the previous member, like characters uh, in the first game, and all that's wild. Yeah, um, I don't think Kojima has ever like touched that again. I don't even know if like in Metal Gear Solid Four, uh, when they that released, they had like this whole encyclopedia thing for if you, for some reason, were new to the series and decided to start at four. <laughs> oh boy. Um. <laughs> But it's there, it's a resource, and like it has like all this obscure trivia. I don't know if uh, any of those characters are referenced, or if that book is referenced in that encyclopedia, but it would be wild if it was. But that's not what we're here to talk about. That was just <laughs> something I wanted to tell to my good friend Chris Wilson. And I appreciated it. Metal Gear Solid, I'll never get over the degree to which they are simultaneously some of the smartest and stupidest games. I love... Like, ever. Like, I, I'm... Being a being a Metal Gear Solid fan, uh, like someone who was a Metal Gear Solid fan since high school, who has since taken a bunch of like fiction and literature classes, I both want to 
high five Kojima just as much as I want to give him a swirly. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, like throw an egg at him or something. (laughs) Like, I love the guy, but sometimes I just want to be like, shut up. Oh my God, just shut up. Uh, that's that's my hot take for the day. Can't wait to get flamed. Let's, <laughs> let's cool off from that hot take by tick crack and open the playbill for that's a That's a good idea. So we're here in the playbill again. You, me, Dylan, some other projects that we want to tell you about. Uh, and for starters, I think that it's only fair... If Dylan talks about giant robots for a minute. All right. So, Chris, um, I was actually thinking about how I wanted to pitch this show earlier today. Um, so I'll let you know this first. Anime is hell. <laughs> it is a deep pit of torment and suffering. And just like the Inferno, there are circles and you get deeper and deeper and the deeper you get, the the less hope you have for any escape. Unless you're you're Dante, I think. And then when you get to the when you get to the ninth circle, you start a podcast. When you get to the ninth circle of anime hell, you start an anime podcast. And that podcast isn't, you know, it's not just about anime. It is about all the weird, weird, like Serial Experiments Lane, who the fuck knows what that is? I do, because I'm here in anime hell. And if you want a taste of anime hell, you can find us on anchor.fm slash Dude You Remember, because the name of the show is Dude You Remember Macross, where we talk about this. This is a plug. (laughs) Where we talk about uh, this old 1980s anime. You can already see where the problem lies. We talk about this old 1980s uh, super robot, giant robot, uh, mecha anime uh, Superdimensional Fortress Macross, where it is a show about kind of the relationship between the military and society and pop culture and society and aliens and society. We live in a society, and if you want to hear us ramble about society and shit like that, you can find us again on anchor.fm slash dude you remember. That is dude as in dude where's my car. We are also on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. You should also go check out our uh, our sibling podcast, The Unexplored Places. It is an actual play show currently in the second season in which we're running the game system Scum and Villainy to tell a story about middlingly successful space criminals, and it is an absolute blast. Dylan and I are both in it uh, as characters. We recorded a couple episodes this past week that were legitimately some of the most fun I've had playing an RPG in years uh, and I think you would really enjoy it if you listened to it, if you're the kind of person who likes uh, actual play podcasts. So check them out. You can find them on their Libsyn or on their website, which is unexploredcast.libsyn.com, or you can find them on Twitter at unexploredcast. Uh, you should also follow me on Twitter at CJWilsonVA or Dylan on Twitter at THA underscore D-I-L-A, the Dilla, or hell, you could follow us both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I don't have anything else like super pressing to plug right now. You, Dylan? Nope. Um, I am just going to call you out like you didn't wait a second to tweet that. <laughs> nope. Not even a, not even a second. It uh, was too good. <laughs> 
I'm glad uh, you enjoyed that. Sorry, it made continue. me smile very big. Uh, send send that to Coop. I think he'd get a <laughs> kick out of it. Uh, but you should also go and check out on Twitter the uh, HP Video Game Podcast Network at HPVG Pod Network. They are a network of video game related podcasts that we are involved with, and there is a bunch of great shows about video games from different angles. Uh, so if you like podcasts and you like video games, and if you don't, I don't know why you're here. Go give them a listen. Also, thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod for supporting us and making us not lose money doing this, which is incredibly generous and helpful. And if you like our show and want to help us do it more and do it better and continue to not lose money, heading to patreon.com slash bsgpod is a great way to do that. Shall we get back to it? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. So where where we where are we off to next, Dylan? What uh, what wild frontier of game storytelling do you do you want to explore with me now? Well, Chris, we got to talk about Metroid. Okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do we start with Metroid? Um, I don't know. <laughs> so I guess yeah. Uh, here's a good place to start with Metroid. Metroid is a game series where you explore these labyrinthine caves underneath the surface of an alien planet. Um, most of the Metroid games are that. You know, Metroid Prime, you spend some time above ground. Uh, but that's, you know, you're exploring a, a isolate, like, not desolate, uh, deserted. Frequently, deserted like, ru- yeah, mm-hmm. ruins or deserted labs. Uh, they're games very much steeped in isolation yeah. and having to kind of be totally self-reliant except for Metroid Other M, but I don't know if we're going to talk about Metroid oh, no, Other we, M. Like the, we have to talk about Metroid yeah, Other I think, M. I feel like we have to talk about Other M. Yeah, it, it's like the cornerstone to this entire topic, actually. <laughs> but yeah, so because Metroid games by design are these very, you know, lonely, introspective experiences, you don't really get a lot of story in them. You might get some story like a blurb at the beginning or in the instruction manual. Yeah. And then things just kind of happen. You just kind of play the game. The exceptions... I know, we, I, mm-hmm. I know we've talked about this before, but I love the instruction manual for the for Metroid and Super oh, Metroid so, so much. They're so Both good. Both of those are so good. Bring back instruction manuals with art and concept art and like story blurbs. That shit rocks my socks. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, I got you. I think, yeah, the, the first Metroid games to really have any semblance of story were Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion, which came out in, like, 2001, I want to say. So that's roughly, what, like, 12 years into the series' history? I don't remember when the original Metroid came out. Like, 87, uh, I want to say. I want to say you're right. Uh, 86. But 86. Yeah. Oh, wow. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, that game was early. Yeah, so like for 15 years, uh, the story for these games have kind of been in the instruction manuals or, you know, there's that Nintendo Power comic for Super Metroid. That's really good. But yeah, or like you mm-hmm. get, an, you know, the beginning of Super Metroid, you get a little blurb of like Samus is 
called called by a distress beacon to the laboratory where the last Metroid was was taken. Yeah, she, she and then you just kind recaps, of go. She recaps the first two games, which are very easy to recap because they only take like maybe a TGT of three screens of text to yeah <laughs> to describe. Um, but I, I guess like the the thing about Metroid that's funny is like. Ever since it kind of came back on GameCube and Game Boy Advance, like, that series kind of had this huge explosion of lore and backstory. Uh, so much so that I'm not entirely sure where it all comes from, if I'm being honest. Like, Devil May Cry can pinpoint things. Street Fighter, uh, I'm less familiar with, but I can kind of pinpoint things. I have no clue where the Chozo actually come from in terms of, in terms of like, the Metroid canon. Um, I don't know where the first mention of Ridley killing Samus's parents is. That could be in the Nintendo Power comic. It could be in the the manga that came out before Zero Mission. I have no clue. Uh, Metroid is like... I know a lot about Metroid's universe, but like, if you asked me like why or how it all came about, I really could not tell you. <laughs> uh, but I, I guess like the, the thing about Metroid is that regardless of where its story comes from, it is something that is there and it is known to the point where, like, Ridley killed Samus's parents is, like, the first thing anyone who hasn't played Metroid would know about him. Yeah, that sounds fair. <laughs> yeah, um, there's there's a YouTuber, Shay May, who uh, actually did a really interesting video on that uh, where he talks about why Ridley was significant to people playing Super Metroid back in 94 versus why he is significant to Super Smash Bros. fans in the year of our he, Lord 2018. Because he's too big for Smash. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm currently on the Wikipedia page for the Metroid franchise because I was just curious about... It started from Googling when it when it launched, and now yeah. I'm down a rabbit hole. And I did not know that the name of the game was derived from a portmanteau of Metro, as in Rapid Transit, and Android, and was meant to allude to the underground setting of the first game. What? As well as Samus's robot suit. That's... That's dumb, but I really like it. I love that. Like, that's the most 1986 game design thing I've ever heard of, yeah. and I love it. Metro, I'm really? also, Dylan, maybe this will be a, a good jumping off point for us, Dylan. Mm -hmm. uh, I have now learned for the first time about the chronology of the Metroid franchise. Oh, you didn't know this? Okay, yeah, this is actually this a great talking point. And it makes point. no sense to me as someone who, <laughs> admittedly, as someone who has not played Prime 3... Or Metroid 2, I don't think. I've never okay. played Metroid I can, 2. I can walk you through it real quick. So, yeah, so, yeah, so, so read for, it out. For the Luddites like me, uh, I was under the impression that the chronology would likely be, you know, order of release. Because so one, I'm a two, clown three, child. Four. Well, uh, see, according... that's where you're already wrong. Because Prime yeah. and Fusion came out on the same day. I forgot about that. Or maybe they were a day apart. I think they were a day apart. But, like, still. Either way. Uh, but yeah, so it goes Metroid, or the remake Zero Mission, then Metroid Prime, then Prime Hunters, which was... I I was not aware that Prime Hunters had a story, because I thought Prime Hunters was like the, the DS multiplayer game. I mean, that's really all it was known for, because the single-player campaign wasn't particularly good, but... That's fair. I, like I said, I didn't know it had a single-player campaign. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, it did. Then Prime 2, then mm -hmm. Prime 3, fine... Then Prime Federation Force, which was another of those games that I didn't know had a uh, story mode. Yep. Um, then Return of Samus, Metroid 2. Then Super Metroid, still fine by me. Then we jump all the way to Other M. 
Yep. Then we jump back to fusion. Yep. <laughs> please, please explain, okay. Dylan. <laughs> so the reason why the entire Prime trilogy or Prime series takes place in between one and two is because Samus kills all the Metroids except for one at the end of two. And two leads directly into three. Like three, yeah, uh, Super Metroid okay. takes place like maybe 30 minutes after the end of two. See, now that you say this, it's like, oh, of course. Of course, they're that's the end of two. Right. I knew that because at the beginning of, of, of Three, uh, Samus Super, tells you what she just did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, there are Metroids in the Prime in the Prime trilogy. So yes, okay. Now yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. But <laughs> continue. <laughs> like, yeah, all of that is just kind of like, oh, well, logic, I guess, or whatever. Um, Fusion has to be the last Metroid game. Uh, it has to like that is in, uh, I don't know what the fucking word is, but like the reason why fusion has to be the last Metroid game when put next to like when deciding between it or other M is because for starters, uh, Samus's mentor slash former CEO, uh, Adam Malkovich is, you know, alive in other M. And yeah. he is dead by the beginning of Fusion. And also, um, Samus basically says, fuck the government at the end of Fusion. Like, they, she learns that, like, the government's been, like, bringing back Metroids and, like, have been experimenting on them much in the same way that the Space Pirates had. And so she basically says, fuck that, and takes that space station and crashes it into the Metroid homeworld. Basically destroying this, uh, all of the Metroid research the Federation has been doing. Good. <laughs> and so, you know, Samus is, after that, like, has, like, a big, huge question mark over that. Because it's like, there's no way the government's just going to be cool with that. But we've never visited that plot point, which feels really wrong to me somehow. I feel like there there would be a, a gold mine to, to have there. Yeah. I also really just want them to put a bounty on Samus's head so I can like flimsily justify having captain falcon cameo in a metroid game yo that'd be so dope um but anyway nintendo nerd dylan rant over um, <laughs> yeah so you 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 yes. brought up metroid initially metroid not to talk about the, the fucky uh the fucky timeline right uh so metroid other m is the last like mainline metroid game there's a remake of two that came out afterwards but i yeah i mean like totally original Fuck, I also... Just just to, like, wrap up the timeline discussion, the opening cutscene of Metroid Other M is the final boss of Super Metroid, so it's it also, much like how Super Metroid takes place right after Metroid 2, Other M takes place right after Super Metroid. That was, that's just a little fun tidbit for you. Yeah, all right. Um, it's, I'm... it's also why we get the baby, the baby, <laughs> the baby, because, like, it's all still fresh for her. Um, yeah. <laughs> The so for those of you who don't know, Metroid Metroid Other M ha- ha- is uh, a contentious title in the series. You see, Samus Samus is uh, feminine, and so she has motherly tendencies. Or oh God, I feel just I feel gross just saying that. Um, but like that that's kind of the story, the thing they that did is, with that her is character. That is the the crutch upon that game, which that game's story has to rest based yeah. on how they wrote it. Samus uh, kind of becomes defined by her femininity, whether it was intentional or not. Yeah, and add to that some questionable localization and questionable voice direction 
Yeah. Like, I don't even want to pin it on the voice actors because I have no idea. I don't think you can because, like, I've heard was. her demo, the actress for Samus's demo reel, and she is pretty good. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't think you get cast in a project like that if you're not good at what you do. Like, I don't uh, know if you if you know this, but the director for um, a lot of the... Um, sorry, I got to double check. The director for a lot of uh, the Metroid games... I have to double check. I think it's Yoshio Sakamoto. Um, that sounds right. But... Yes, it is. Uh, Yoshio Sakamoto, he directed Metroid Fusion, Metroid uh, Zero Mission, and Metroid Other M. And his thing was um, Yoshio Sakamoto, as you can probably tell from his name, he is Japanese. He did the voice direction. Right, and we we talked about this before, I'm remembering that. Yes. We talked about, like the idea of stock characters and how those can sometimes be helpful and sometimes not be. And you mentioned that there so, is, yeah, Yoshio at the Sakamoto very least, had this voice actress do what is a very Japanese style of performance, which works in Japanese, uh, especially for anime and voiceover, but it doesn't quite scan with a English speaking audience, whether or not yeah. the weebs who declare subs only to be superior want it admitted or not. <laughs> But yeah, so that's not that's again not really the the thing. But again, that's just kind of background. Other M is contentious for a lot of its characterization choices. I've actually never played it, so I I can't talk to like the story as a whole. I have seen at least three or four let's plays of it, <laughs> which is not the same as playing it. But like, I don't feel like I need to at this point. That's fair. I've experienced the story, and so, that's what we're here to talk about. Yes. Um. Sorry that this became such a rambly episode. No, it's okay. I'm I'm enjoying it. So basically, Other M ha comes out and it's like tying up all these things that have been a thing since um, Metroid Fusion and Zero Mission. So Metroid Zero Mission had a prequel manga that was like Samus's up, like basically Samus's entire life story up until the first Metroid game, and it was decent. Uh, there were some choices I didn't particularly care for, but you know, it's not my series. And then, like, Metroid Other M kind of takes all of these things and, like, puts them in canon. Like, they, it's all in Other M. It's all canon. It's kind of, it's like the Devil May Cry 5 scenario, except, um, weirdly enough, like, Other M declares, uh, Yoshio Sakamoto, when Other M came out, declared that the Prime series was not canon. Which I find funny nowadays, because... What is the game that people are looking forward to? Is it Metroid Prime 4 or is it the next Yoshio Sakamoto directed Metroid game? No shade thrown towards 4. him, but uh, he really did burn some bridges with other M. Yeah. Uh, and it's, mm -hmm. it's weird because like, it's not like he's a bad director. Like I love Metroid Fusion. Metroid yeah. Fusion kicks ass. Yeah, Zero Mission's amazing, dude. Zero Mission um, is wonderful. Like It's such a good remake. There's... There's a what happened episode if you know Matt. McMuscles. I might have to. I might have to give that a watch. Yeah, uh, he he talks about like how everything kind of development went smoothly. It was just kind of, um, you know, they hadn't worked in 3D before, so that's one thing with the the game yeah. design. I I think that was like the big thing. Like they they kind of overextended because they hadn't had to work with that budget before or like that tech. So that's why they got Team Ninja involved. But I I I feel like there was this disparity between the two teams where like they never everything was fine but like they never kind of looked at the design board and said what if we did it like this because we know the strengths of 3d i don't know i i'm i'm actually just kind of spitballing here yeah that's uh, fair 
It Metroid Other M also... is a very interesting game that like would be a topic for another episode. Yeah, we we've talked about it several times, but it might be fun to do like a full see if we can track down some copies of it and just do like a full post-mortem on it yeah that, that'd be fun actually anyway yeah so uh i i guess the thing about metroid other m is that unlike devil may cry uh the investment in metroid has never really been about like the people in samus's life or the events that kind of made her who she is so much as it's the places that she goes the races that she finds the remnants of metroid is a very it's about the places you go rather than the people you meet yeah we and we talked about this a little bit last week i think uh yeah it's it's definitely falls into that category of game where like the setting and the atmosphere is as important if not more so than like the characters i think you could write an interesting series around samus as a character and like what is Samus in life or what is, what is she in like society or whatever. But that's, I don't think that's the type of story you can necessarily do with a game or yeah. with like a Metroid game specifically. Unless you put a bounty on her head and have Captain Falcon hunt her down. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, I want that spin off so you much. Cowards. <laughs> Give me a, a Yakuza styled game with Captain Falcon where you just go Holy around. Holy shit. City. Into bounties? Yes, please. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I I think about F Zero way more than I should ever. But yeah, it's uh, fair. so <laughs> I guess the last thing I want to talk about, where like Metroid is concerned, I I already talked about how like Metroid Prime isn't considered canon, but like also the fans are like, "Fuck you, Metroid <laughs> Prime is awesome." Metroid Prime slaps infinite ass. If I have to choose between. You know, my stepdad, who every Friday gives me, like, you know, a raisin for getting A's on my test score. Or my mom, who fucking drives me to Disneyland every summer. I'm going to choose my mom. <laughs> this was a weird analogy. This was a really weird analogy. Are you all right? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I'm just rambling right now. <laughs> You know, I feel like that might be a good place to end the episode. <laughs> I, I lost my mind. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Backstage Gaming. I hope you enjoyed this talk. It got a little bit away from us, but like, let me let me say this. If you have any examples of games that you are fond of that maybe we aren't aware of, and I was thinking a little bit about like, Pokemon with the anime series or even like the Persona games, don't they have anime involved? Yes, yes, they somewhere. Do. Uh but yeah, tell us on Twitter about your favorite example of a game with like a convoluted multimedia canon. Oh my god. Uh, Chris, there are Persona Q is a crossover series. I I this is a, an aside. Uh but like uh Persona has like two crossover entries where like the characters from three, four, and five interact. And those are technically canon, except all the characters forgot those events ever happened. Somebody explained that to me on Twitter anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And okay, remember to sorry. use the hashtag BSGPod. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you like our show, which I hope you do if you listen to all of this, you can find out more about it at BSGPod.com. That is the best place to find info about the show. You can find a contact form. You can find info about me and Dylan. And you should also remember that wherever you're getting your show, our, our show, it's not your show, it's kind of your show. We're, we're all a big family here. Here's mine uh, Wherever and you're ours. getting it. 
whether it's on the Apple podcast service, the Google podcast service, Stitcher, Spotify, anything like that, leave a rating, leave a review, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anyone who you want to tell, but remember to stay six feet away and be safe out there, kids. <laughs> um, you know, a great way to social distance is to use social media. You can Ooh. find us on Facebook, on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Um, and, you know, if you want to talk about us, engage with us, like Chris said, you should use that hashtag BSGpod. Um, also, huge, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show. Um, if you dig his stuff, and I dig his stuff, uh, you should check him out on his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N-French.squarespace.com. You can also find him on Instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts. And on Twitter, at Brennan underscore French. You should also go show some love to our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio, Volume 1, Instrumentality. If you like that, you'll probably like his other music. And you can find all of that by going to Spotify and searching for BioQuery. That's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by going to his SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. Thank you again to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. If you like video games and you like podcasts, you should check them out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. There are a ton of shows talking about video games from the angles of development, of news, of just hanging out and talking about what you've been playing recently, or more weird analytical stuff like what we do. And all of them are very good. You should go give them some listens. Also, thank you to our patrons once again at patreon.com slash bsgpod for helping support the show, for helping us not lose money doing this, and if you like our show and you want to help us grow and do it more and do it better, patreon.com slash bsgpod is a great place to do that. And that, I think, will do it for us on this very strangely energized episode. Yeah, it's been a long day at work, honestly. (laughs) I feel you. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week. Yep, see you guys. 